Bitcoin, crypto bubbles, passive indexation. There's a lot of financial jargon out there. Old Mutual can help you make sense of it all and give you great advice to make the right decisions. If you've got a question or want to know how to get the most out of your money, call them on 0860 60 60 60 or speak to an old mutual financial advisor or your broker. Today's the day. Get great financial advice so you can do great things. Old Mutual is a licensed financial services provider. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield on 702, your number one news and talk station. Welcome to The Money Show, brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. I see Fanisa Lamola standing by. We'll talk to Fanisa in just a second, acting chief executive of SICA. And Jonas Bogoshi has just been made. He joined BCX just the other day, and now he's the CEO. We'll talk to him about that. BCX's business connection. Um, and it's part of Telcom, and uh, it didn't perform brilliantly in the last set of results. So we'll talk about that in just a second. Greg Katzenellenbochen from Sundown Private Wealth on what's been a very, very good day for the JSE. The market back above 57,000. Lots of money being made today. We'll bring you some of the best bits of the money show, including this weird Stellenbosch standoff. High noon at the Stellenbosch Corral at Steinoff Africa Retail and the standoff with the founder of Techie Town. It's all very unseemly. And we'll play the Brutal Biz Quiz. All of that is coming up on your Friday evening. The Money Show on 702. Your number one news and talk station. So it's a Friday evening fast fact bonanza because I just there's so many lovely stories out today and I need to find a mechanism to tell them to you. So I'm going to ask you two fast fact questions. Can we do fast facts? I think we don't. I don't think we'll get confused if we do two fast facts. You can answer one. You can answer both. Um, you can answer them both twice if you want to, or just one of them three times. It's up to you entirely. Celsius just refreshed its branding. They've changed their font. The Celsius name is now appears in a new font, a new typeface. But I'm interested in the new corporate color of Celsius. Three one seven zero two three one five six seven. What is Celsius' new corporate color? And it's interesting because there's somebody with that color already. So what is Celsius' new corporate color? And then the other one, and this is much harder, but I just love the wordplay on it. Who's been sent packing after allegations that he lied about his education? Someone has been sent packing after allegations that he lied about his education. Those are your double dose of fast facts on a Friday. 702, The Money Show. The Money Show. SMS Bruce on 31702. Have we got a prize for the weirdest story of the day? No, we don't. That's a pity because this is a weird story. The entity that manages the CASA designation, so you've got to be a member of, if you want to be a CASA, it's got to come from the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, from SICA. It's parted ways with its auditors. Who are its auditors? Yep, you're right. KPMG are its auditors. Fanisa Lamola is the acting chief executive of SICA, the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants. I mean, if, if SICA can't use KPMG, who can, Fanisa? Good evening, Bruce. Um, well, it depends. It's not a matter that SICA can't use KPMG and then nobody else can. I think it's a, it's a matter that each institute or each organization um, has to look at and um, make a decision based on the facts that relate to that institution. So what are the facts in this case that SICA has decided it can no longer use the services of KPMG? Well, um, 
maybe let me start by saying um, the decision to part ways with KPMG was not something that was just decided overnight. We have always maintained at SICA that we will make that decision once we have got the outcome of the inquiry that we are doing about um, our members that are working for KPMG. And, and, and the main reason why it is made now that we can't continue anymore is because at, of the stage at which we are um, of that inquiry. And so that the inquiry can remain as independent as it can, it was decided it's in the best interest of all parties that KPMG not be part of SICA in any way. Is this part of, I mean, is this as a result of what is being found as part of the inquiry? Because this inquiry has been going on. Dumisa Nsebeza has been looking into KPMG and its activities for quite some time. Surely if there was a potential conflict, this should have been picked up you know, three, four months ago, not as we near the end of an investigation. Not at all, Bruce. It is not because of what is being found, because we ourselves don't know what Nsebeza um, has found out to date, because we'll only know at the end of the inquiry which, as we indicated last week, will be at the end of June. As to whether this perceived was there or not, um, it is a matter that has been considered at various stages. And at different points of the consideration, different factors were considered. And at this point in time, all the points that were considered um, uh, led to the conclusion that at this point, the conclusion is in the interest of all parties concerned, there is perceived conflict not necessarily because there's anything that has been um, determined out of, um, yeah, that has been determined out of Interreza. So this is a decision by SICA, it's not a decision by KPMG? Um, it, it was a decision by both parties. Um, there, have, there have been engagements of both, both, both parties on what would be best for the profession. And um, on that basis, KPMG resigned and SICA accepted it. Um, when you so so, if you are an accountant working at KPMG, can your business card still say CASA? Yes, it can. Um, uh, the fact that KPMG is no longer our auditor does not in any way take away the CASA. And the only way that your CAS can be taken off is if you have gone through the process and you have found to have done something that has been proven. And as part of the function, you're, as part of the gotcha. function, you're told you can no longer, you're being struck of the role, you can no longer be a CSA. So until that point where you are found guilty of something and um, you are sanctioned to uh, no longer be a CA, it's only at that point that you can't use CSA anymore. Uh, so this is purely a business arrangement. It's a corporate decision by Psyche in the same way uh, so many other corporations have taken the decision to no longer use the services of KPMG as auditors. It's this on the same sort of basis as other large companies. Um, can you just rephrase your question? I just want to be sure I, hear, um, I understand what you're saying. Uh, and I'm just saying, so this is purely a corporate decision. This doesn't affect the qualifications of any chartered accountants. It doesn't affect the relationship that any chartered accountants who work for KPMG have with their employer. It doesn't affect their designations. This is purely a corporate decision to change audit firms. Yes, Bruce. The designation of the members working at KPMG is a designation conferred to individual members, not because they work for KPMG. So the working relationship or the working contract that SICA had with KPMG has got nothing to do with the individual's designation. That designation, they got it through their relationship with SICA. 
having met PSYCAS requirements of becoming a CASA. So it has got but, nothing to do with them working for KPMG. Fanny Salamola, thank you. Acting Chief Executive of Saika, parting ways, as so many other companies have done with KPMG. That in Sebeza report coming out at the end of June, personally I can't wait, uh, PwC has got a report going into Steinhoff. I mean, they've got all these reports, all of these uh, wonderful, rich sources of data, which are going to shed a lot more light on what has been happening in corporate South Africa over the last couple of years. 702 and Cape Talk. The Money Show. Yeah, connected to that, another story today. This was on Bloomberg that South African prosecutors have filed a lawsuit aimed at recouping a billion rand in consultancy fees that they say were unlawfully paid to McKinsey, uh, the state power utility that, of course, is ESCOM, and the U.S. firm voluntarily uh, said, you know, remember McKinsey said they would pay back the money, and then they stalled it. And they said, oh, no, hold on a second, we want to prove that we uh, did something wrong. So now um, the National Prosecuting Authority looking into this, the case, latest twist in a series of scandal, of course, that saw billions of rand looted from the South African fiscus. So it's a good story on that particular front. Well, a critical part of Telcom into the future is going to be its IT services business, BCX. Remember, this is a company that was founded and uh, run by the Mopatane twins who built it into a great asset. And they were in negotiations to sell to Telcom and Ben Mopatane died in the Telcom boardroom negotiating the takeover. His brother Isaac took it over. He quit suddenly last year and he was replaced by a Telcom Insight by the name of Ian Russell, who suddenly resigned as well to be replaced by the former chief executive of the state-owned IT company, Jonas Bogoshi, who joins us on the line from Pretoria this evening. Jonas, nice to have you on The Money Show this evening. Um, you're taking over following a dip in performance at BCX. I, I look at the fact that you only joined BCX in April. Did you do it with your eye on the chief executive job? Um, good evening, Bruce. Um, yeah, so... So when uh, um, Ian and C4 interviewed me for the job uh, about three months ago, it was always on uh, part of the plan that uh, at one stage I would take off from Ian as a CEO. So it is uh, uh, just a continuation of the plan that he put in place then. I mean, but was the plan as designed to be as quick as it has been? Because Ian's only been chief executive of BCX for about a year. Uh, you joined the company about three months ago. Is this the time frame you had in mind when that appointment was made? Well, our time frames originally was uh, within uh, um, six or so months. Um, I will uh, take over as a CEO, and uh, Ian was going to go back to the group. Um, the plan for him uh, was for him to come into BCX, um, help to order uh, BCX to integrate uh, telecom business and business connection then, uh, and after doing that, for him to move on. Um, so it was going to be six months. Yes, now it is within two months, so slightly shorter, but it is within the time frame that uh, we had in mind. Um, so what do you see as your job now with BCX? It's, it's not been performing brilliantly over the last couple of years. What's the big job at hand? Um, so, Ian, um, sorry, um, the, the challenges that are facing BCX are not dissimilar to those that are challenging many of uh, our IT companies uh, in South Africa. Uh, the first one is that uh, our general IT expenditure is uh, flat at best, um, but declining in most of the areas. Um, our specific challenge is that we've got a very uh, big connectivity revenue, uh, just over 50% of our revenue, and uh, half of that is, is voice. And uh, that voice is declining uh, year to year, nothing to do with us, but more to do with market dynamics. Our role is to, um, is to come up with a plan to arrest that revenue decline. 
that mainly has to, has to do with uh, uh, finding a price point that will help us um, uh, reduce that decline, but also uh, be able to capture a new market. That's the first part. The second part, the reason why Telcom bought VCX in the first place was to grow the, uh, the IT services part of the business. That is the part that has not grown enough um, uh, in the last few years. Our focus is to use our heritage from VCX, primarily our data centers, to provide uh, money services. So that part of the industry is growing at at least about 12% compared on this growth rate. So we need to focus on that going forward. How important is state business to BCX? What sort of percentage of your sales are made up of the state? Uh, the state is quite uh, big. About 37% of our business comes from uh, uh, from public sector. Is that, and, uh, more, last, is that last, less or more than you would like? Um, I would like it to be the same the, uh, way it is now. And the reason is that uh, um, public sector sales is uh, slightly complex long-term um, or rather long sales cycles. So for me, it is um, to be there or maybe slightly lower than that. I would not like it to be more than that. It is a, it is a very difficult market to operate in. Uh, it is. I mean, are they good at paying you? Because so many small businesses complain about the fact that the state is an absolute shocking payer. Well, the challenges with public sector are two from us. Uh, one is um, uh, if you compare um, uh, last year and the year before, about 1.4 we, we, we re- it reduced about 1.4 billion, primarily because there was uncertainty in government, so was little uh, little spending in government. The second part is that uh, we had uh, our BE rating, which was level six. Uh, and with that, we could not even participate in some of the of the tenders. So I think going forward, uh, with a, a renewed mood in the public sector, I think it will slightly uh, stabilise. I don't see it growing more more than this. And uh, we are lucky that now we are level three. I think that will help us to attract some of the business. Yes, in terms of payment, uh, Bruce, absolutely correct. It is one of the challenges that we have in uh, in, in in government, and that's something that needs to be fixed. So. Um, we want to make sure that we continue to support government, but exposure uh, comes with the risk, and I'm very cognizant of that. I mean, again, doing business with government is great because I'm sure they're a good client and there is a guarantee they will pay eventually. Um, however, um, when you are too dependent on government, and we've seen lots of companies come quite seriously unstuck because when government does stop spending, it does stop spending fast. And if you're overly dependent on the state, um, that can really hurt you. I mean, it has, for example, EOH. Absolutely right. So for me, if it is anything around 30%, I think it's a manageable uh, percentage. So so if you look at it, so 30% of our business comes from enterprise, large enterprises and uh, medium-sized enterprises. And uh, um, that kind of a split, it's, uh, it's healthy. How important is your experience at Gajima, the state-owned IT company, in taking on this job at BCX uh, and sort of being on the other side of the table from, from, from the government? Um, so, firstly, uh, Gijima. After I left Gijima, I, I was a, a country manager of uh, um, uh, EMC. Mm-hmm. So, my experience in the IT industry, firstly, with Gijima, is more of an outsource uh, business. Okay. And that's important in us in us growing our outsource business in, in BCX. That's uh, that's fundamental. The second part is working for for EMC or Dell EMC. After Michael Dell bought uh, EMC, um, is really to understand what it takes modernize IT infrastructure for customers because that's what they're asking for. They're asking us to help them uh, modernize the infrastructure and take out costs. So that's important. The CETA experience, um, even though it's slightly longer, um, it is important because I understand um, how public sector works and make sure that uh, uh, when we expose ourselves to public sector, 
we understand what PFMA says and be in line with that because that's important uh, uh, operating public sector. I mean, there's so much work that needs to be done, isn't there, not in the public sector in terms of modernizing computer systems. And we want to just got to sit in a queue at home affairs and look at them doing um, remarkable work on Windows you know, 2005 or whatever program is there at the moment. And, and you just and the, 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 you've got really willing and really capable and really nice people trying to do a job with one hand tied behind their backs. And I, I realize the budgets are tight, but boy, um, yeah, a little bit of an IT upgrade in the state could be useful. Absolutely. I think um, it is important for government to uh, really take uh, the investment in IT very seriously because uh, not only will uh, um, investment in IT, proper investment in IT, help to uh, make those departments efficient, but government as an, as, a, as an entity, if they're efficient, that efficiency flows into the rest of the economy. And uh, that's, not, that's what we need to get government to do. So from BSEC's point of view, yes, we are involved in a number of uh, um, normal IT infrastructure projects. We've identified about four key projects that we believe will be able to help modernize our government. And being partly owned by government, uh, I think there is a way we can have a, a discussion with the government about how uh, really they can change how they operate in the best interest of uh, of South Africa. Because when you, when you get the efficiency uh, the efficiency in the economy, that translates ultimately um, to a better standard of living. So we want to take that message to government. Jonas Bogosha, wish you luck with uh, sending the message, delivering the message and improving South Africa's IT infrastructure, especially uh, in some government departments where it's incredibly frustrating. Jonas Bagoshi is the new chief executive of Business Connection, otherwise better known, I suppose, now as BCX. The Money Show. The Markets. Greg Katz and Ellenberg, and where have you been? You only come when the market's up 2%. I think that's your cutoff. The market's um, up 2%, then you show your face. Absolutely. There was so much green on my screen, Bruce, <laughs> that I thought I'd have to get my sunglasses up. It was fantastic, wasn't it? It was a really good day for the JSE. Nasper's up 6%. That helps. Yeah, it was fantastic, yes. So look, I think that there would be an element of short covering in that, but... Uh, yeah, ten cents has been under a, a bit of pressure in in Hong Kong, and some big holders have sold about ten percent of their um, holdings, saying that you know they can't uh, repeat these results. There's no new games coming out in this next corner uh, quarter, and so. And I would have thought a few people might have shorted Nasdaq as well, so uh, they would have had to buy those shares back. But uh, yeah, it was great to see. Yep, it did very, very well on the day. 6% stronger, nearly 3,200 rand a share. What's 1 rand 50 between friends? But yeah, good positive day. The bad news in our market, we spoke about it extensively on the Money Show last night and uh, confirmed today by the Central Energy Fund that the petrol price next week goes up by 80 cents, diesel by 85 cents. And Sassel is the big beneficiary of that at 481 rand 50. It was up sharply on the day. Well, it was up sharply also. You know, the, the oil prices... Uh, Brent is back at around $78. So there was a lot of talk that Mr. Trump had told the Saudis, look, try and engineer a lower price because we're coming into the U.S. driving season now. And, uh, and they, you know, there's um, elections coming up in, in November. But uh, Saudis and the Russians, they need a high oil price. So the problem is that it doesn't, you know, everyone thought the price would collapse because more and more shale uh, would be coming on board. But... Um, the uh, you're not seeing a huge increase in shale production at the moment, so it leads me to believe that we'll still see a pretty high 
um, oil price. And that's not good news for South Africa because it's also, yeah. you're likely to see um, a weaker euro going forward as all this Italian mess, uh, you know, comes to the fore, despite the fact that they've put a government into place now, but you don't know how long that will last. And um, the jobs numbers in the U.S. today indicate that the U.S. economy is doing well, and you prob- and they're going to raise interest rates, so the differential between European rates and the U.S. rates will lead to a big inflow into U.S. dollar assets, and that, you know, um, will strengthen the dollar, and it won't only affect us, all the emerging markets, but currency could weaken and that with a stronger oil price is is not good news. But I was surprised today to see a virtually zero reaction from the RAND when those jobs numbers came out and U.S. inflation, U.S. unemployment now sitting at an extraordinary low rate. I mean, 3.8 percent. It's it's as good as zero uh, unemployment. There's very little um, uh, unemployment in the U.S. Wage rates are going up. 228,000 people got new jobs last month. It's in great shape. And usually we see the RAND retreat quite sharply on that sort of good American news. That didn't happen today. Well, yeah, look, initially when the, the numbers came out, it spiked up to about 12.75 to the dollar. And then uh, as people started uh, digesting the numbers, they realized that it just keeps the Fed on, on target. But um, the um, euro as well also fell quite sharply as the numbers were released. And then that recovered a bit. So it dragged all, uh, you know, uh, currencies with it. But generally, I think the market is priced in the fact that um, the U.S. economy is going along nicely, that they will have maybe two or three more interest rates hikes. And what's happening in Europe, the market believes that you're not going to see uh, the Europeans uh, stop printing money anytime soon and uh, certainly won't be able to um, raise interest rates as it was target of the first quarter by next year. It's probably extended up to the end of next year. But uh, So the RAND uh, has held up well, but uh, we'll probably, you know, it is Friday and uh, people do square their positions. How impressed or otherwise are you by Steinhoff Africa Retail, its uh, strategy to rename itself and to get rid of some people, clearly it sees as a bit of a dead weight. We, we had Bram van Straten in the studio this week. We also had the CEO of Stand of Africa Retail here. They tell different versions of the same story. Um, are, are you an investor in Stand of Africa Retail? I wouldn't be at this stage because I believe there is that huge overhang still, 70-odd percent held by Steinhoff. They will probably... Yeah. We don't know what they would have to do with the stake, probably sell down some of it, so that will be a pretty big overhang. But I was flabbergasted to hear your interview and and read uh, various excerpts where it's alleged that, uh, you know, at his first, uh, Rahm's first uh, board meeting, that the uh, management spent hours and hours discussing the salaries and um, uh, performance-related remuneration. So... That, for me, was, uh, if it's true, is quite shocking. Well, there's no reason for him to lie about it because it can be disproven. Um, thank you very much, Craig Katzenelabuch. And, yeah, lots of shock, lots of horror. You're going to hear two extracts from those interviews that I did this week, one with Bram von Straten and one with Leon Lawrence, uh, the chief executive of Steinhoff Africa Retail, and it's really up to you to make up your own mind. But, yeah, nobody's falling over themselves to go and fill their boots with those Steinhoff Africa Retail shares. Not that I think that you know, the management team there expected it to happen anytime soon. They, as uh, Greg so neatly expresses, quite concerned about ensuring that their future wealth is uh, well covered.
The Money Show is brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. Oh, I know what I'm doing this weekend. I'm reading Auntie Kate's book. Oh, yes. Because coming up on the next Money Show, Kate Turkington. Auntie Kate, legendary broadcaster, the author, the traveler, the quite crazy lady is coming to join us on our Make Money Mondays as our special edition guest I cannot wait but also talk to David Beatty he's got a brand new book out called The Expert Landlord and it's not about Agliotti it's actually about managing residential property like a pro that's all coming up on the next Money Show The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield Right, fast fact. First one, I said Celsius refreshed its branding with a new typeface, a new color. What's its new corporate color? Orange is absolutely right. What's weird about that? Well, remember, you may not remember, but it's, it's incredibly odd. The European cell phone provider Orange um, threw its weight around on small businesses in South Africa and was really mean and bullied a lot of them about changing their names and changing their corporate identities. And it looked clear that Orange was going to make a big move in South Africa, and then it didn't. I think it's in the corporate market a bit, but it's certainly a dominant play in other parts of Africa, which is why it's weird that Celsius has chosen this orange color as its new corporate identity. It's very similar, and you can only expect, unless they're closing up to do something together, um, that it's going to lead to some sort of conflict. And if uh, Celsius does choose to go into other African countries, they're going to have to change it, maybe get a new brand. So that's the one of the fast facts. The other one, and nobody got this, because I just like the language of it rather than the fact itself. But who's been sent packing after allegations that he lied about his education? Packing was the clue in there. It's the chief executive of Samsonite. Um, he's saying nothing. He's admitting nothing. He's resigning, he says, for uh, for personal reasons. Uh, Ramesh Tainwala packing up his desk at Samsonite after an investment firm accused him of falsely claiming to have a doctorate in business administration. He's not admitting that he doesn't have the degree, but he's resigned for personal reasons very soon after that allegation. So the person sent packing was the CEO of Samsonite. The Money Show on your number one news and talk station. Time for the best bits of the money show. And I referred earlier to the Skinner and Scandal and the Skopskit and Donner it's Thunder, so it's okay. Um, in the world of Steinoff and Steinoff Africa retail, we know Christo Visa is suing Steinoff for 59 billion rand. Then we have Bram van Hastien, the founder of Techie Town. He's taking legal advice against Steinoff Africa retail. And um, then the allegations that they're spending more time on sorting out their own pay packets than they are on focusing on growing the business of Steinoff Africa retail. Leon Lawrence, the chief executive of Star, Steinoff Africa Retail, I asked him why they want Steinoff retail shareholders to bail out themselves. Management to a large extent is not being bailed out. You must remember, Bruce, that people built up wealth in the scheme over a long period of mm. time in Pepcor. The value of the share of the, share of the investment uh, scheme at, at, at one stage was more than seven times the value of the debt. What happened afterwards, unfortunately, uh, uh, due to the start of share price, the people that were on that scheme lost a lot of money. Now, when Steinhoff bought Pepcor, the value in that scheme was over two and a half billion rand. That's all wiped. So, so no, those, mm. those people lost a lot of money. They were can, can, can you not see, though, how people sitting on the outside of what looks like a very comfortable and cozy arrangement might feel hard done by by this? I think it's a different situation, Bruce, to be honest. I think uh, the, the fact that the, the, that the people in the scheme invested their own money and lost in the process, they're not necessarily bailed out. Again, I want to stress mm. the fact that there was a guarantee signed by PEPCOR in 2011. They have to 
we have to, as Pepcor, unfortunately, we have to stay, stick with that guarantee and uh, buy, uh, buy right. You know, and uh, the employees in the process lost a lot of money. And, uh, and yes, I think it's important to, to, to remember that. Is, is the plan here, though, to retain as many employees and management as possible because some very talented and capable people? Um, and so this is an incentive to keep them in the business? No, that was not the reason why this 440 was paid. The f- reason why the 440 was paid because it was guaranteed by PEPCOR mm-hmm. contractually at the time. What I have to say, and it's a good point you touch, because we have great people in the business. And during all the disruption that we've gone through in the last six months, those people have come to the fore and they've actually taken the business um, despite all that. They've actually grown the business and, uh, and I'm very proud of the guys that, that, that have done that. So we've got great people. We haven't lost one person, by the way, through all of this. And, and that, I think, is testimony to the culture that used to exist in the old Pepcor group. Uh, one person would disagree. Maybe they haven't lost, but Bram van Hastings says he's been pushed out. He's the founder of Techie Town and Marcus Uester's buddy, close friend. They met on the racetrack, horse racing, um, built up a mutual love affair of that particular sport. And he spoke to us this week about the current beef with Steinhoff Africa Retail, the Pepcor boys, as Bram van Hastings puts it. Um, whereas Leon Lawrence says, no, they haven't lost a single person. Bram van Hastings says he's been stabbed in the back. We all became employees of Star, but we also, part of our transaction was an earnout that becomes due three years from now. Yeah. But as it so happened, that Star received our business, they received our stock, our shops, our management, our assets, our liabilities, but they would not accept our earnout. So after this whole calamity, they do not even want to honor a performance-based incentive, but still they go and uh, settle their gambling debt uh, from a decision from inside. So you are saying that you've been screwed over by Sun of Africa Retail, that they're looking after themselves and that you are being hung out to dry effectively. That is my experience, you know. And, uh, you know, we, we, we even after the calamity, you know, we tried our best to bring our part. You know, I was appointed as the chairman of properties, I did my very best, and I think I had great success as I did in Tacky Town. We've also been given the responsibility to look after the speciality business who, under the reins of Peter Erasmus and the Pepcor boys, built up a loss of 546 million rand. We've since, me and our team, has taken that over, and in the first quarter, mm. all four of those brands being Shoe City, John Craig, Duns, and refinery has returned a profit, something that they could not achieve in 12 years. What are you wanting out of the standoff that you were engaged in with Steinhoff Africa Retail? People you feel have treated you badly. Yeah, they've also, in the meantime, they've just, you know, laterally removed me from everything. You know, they've uh, just removed me from the board, from the, the speciality board. They've just removed my position uh, as chairman of uh, properties. So I'm pretty much without a business, without a job today as it stands. But we'll see what happens in future. Because we, as I say, we have a very hostile management team behind me. And uh, hopefully we can get some sort of res- resolution before this thing gets totally out of hand. Everyone I speak to about Marcus Houston say, where is he? He'd love to have a chat with Marcus Houston. Could you put me in contact? Everyone's, I don't know, do, do, do. Marcus, who's Marcus? Nobody, I don't know, Marcus. Bram van Essen doesn't do that. We're all waiting on this PwC report because so far it is just, uh, you know, difficult to believe, you know, how the peanut gallery has already made conclusions and they know what went wrong 
without any hard evidence or facts in front of us. The, the one thing we have as fact is the SMS that Marcus Uester sent out on the day that he resigned, in which he, he, he says, whatever's wrong, it's my fault, nobody else's fault, it's all me. Yeah, he admitted he made some mistakes, you know, and uh, but we want to see what those mistakes was. And then we obviously want to also see, you know, how on earth it's possible that these mistakes happen with only one man out of 130,000 employees uh, are aware of it. You know, how, how on earth, you know, can one man, you know, be the author of s- such a calamity? Is Marcus a crook? No, not in my book. So you're still friends? I have no... He might have his day in court, and then he'll have to explain to, to the judge of, of the court. I have no information at hand to, at this point in time, to and either before or after the deal, that made me regret what I have done. So, I mean, you and Marcus still see each other? You know, Marcus did one thing. He came to apologize to me, and he sent me a text message that uh, he said he'll never be able to face me or look me in the eye again. And I just said to him, the book that has directed me in my life has taught me to forgive people uh, 470 times, seven times, you know, and, and that's the way I, I live my life. Um, have, have you had other contact other than the SMS and the apology? Yeah, we've had, uh, we've, we've had contact, yes, you know, but obviously it's a very awkward time, you know, and, and, and you know, it's, it's a matter of trying to see where to go from here. 1.8 billion rands worth of awkward. That's what that is. Uh, Professor Jonathan Janssen, boy, oh boy, what a Make Money Monday's special edition guest he was. He doesn't care about money. It was, it was such a wonderful discussion. And I asked him if money wasn't an issue. What would he do? Well, I think if I had a whole lot of money, I can tell you very simply what I would do. I would make major investments and oversee those investments in preschool education. I still believe we're fighting at the wrong end of the educational spectrum. I still believe we shouldn't go where the noise is, but where the need is. And on only one thing is the educational research unequivocal, and that is investments in preschool education have long-lasting effects you know, for, for young people. That's what I would do. Make major investments and make sure every child, particularly poor children, have access to quality, not just to preschool education, to quality preschool education. That's a game changer. So I asked him if you think you can fix it, or why don't you do a Mark Barnes and put your name forward? He said, okay, he put his name into the ring. He can help. He can fix it. Mr. President, I hope you heard that. Or at least somebody who knows Mr. President and send him an SMS and say, hey, the prof's ready because he's not been ready for a very long time. We'll play the Brutal Biz Quiz in just a bit. Your first question tonight, what is the new name that Steinhoff Africa Retail wants to call itself? It wants to go back to the future or back to the past and pretend it never happened. It was just a dreadful nightmare. What does Steinhoff Africa Retail want it be to itself to be called into the future? 011-883-0702-021-446-0567 to play tonight's Brutal Biz Quiz. The Money Show. The Biz Quiz. Time for the Brutal Biz Quiz and bragging rights for the entire week. If you are the whiz of the Brutal Biz Quiz, let's see if Al in Heidelberg has got this one right. Sign off Africa Retail wants to be known in future as... Pep. Uh, Pepco. Pep? Was it Pepco? It's Brutal Biz Quiz, Al, not friendly, warm and fuzzy Biz Quiz. I'm afraid it's wrong. Lebo and Centurion, he was close but not close enough. Uh, it's Pepcor. Pepcor. 
or Pepcor, yeah. because that's very different from yeah. Pepco. Pep Sorry, <laughs> Pepcor. Yeah. I love the way you roll your yeah. R's, Lebo. Um, now listen, yeah. Lebo. Um, yeah, we uh, we we spoke all about that, of course, and we told you the tale all about it. Who authored the following books? As by Fire, the end of South African University, Knowledge in the Blood, and Letters to My Children, tweets to make you think. Who wrote those books? Um, I'm going to take a wild guess here. Prof. Prof. Johnson. Absolutely right. Letters, uh, tweets to wow. my children. It was very good. Yeah, you're good on this level. You're good on this. Wow. We're going to make it hard. We're going to make it hard. Which is the world's most populous country? In other words, which country has got the most people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, China. You're sounding less and less certain, but you're absolutely right. It is China. Oh, yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> we had Ian Mann this week. He, he reviewed the one-hour China book by uh, two guys called Jeffrey Townsend and Jonathan Woodson. All right. Um, that. It's very good. You should go to the podcast and download it and have a listen. It's so interesting. Uh, sure. Which shoe sure, retailer sure. was founded by Bram van Heistian? He founded a shoe retailer. Um, Town. Take it down is absolutely right. What currency? Wow. If you went, if you went to Norway, Lebo, what currency would you use in Norway? Sure, the flyer here, um, Norwegian pound. I'm uh, Norwegian dollar. Sorry, no, no, Norwegian dollar. Any more guesses? Any more guesses? The Norwegian euro, the Norwegian shilling. Nah. Sorry, Lebo, you're a star. Well played. Thank you very much. Calvin and Centurion, if you went to Norway, what currency would you use? Mm. You say it in the same way as a, <laughs> a, 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 there's a, a sparkling wine from Tilbach. Yeah. And you say it in the same way as you say that name. Tilbach. Um... Uh, maybe I've distracted you. Uh, you're not going to get it, Calvin. Uh, let, let's admit defeat. Uh, Tertius, I think it is. Hello, Tertius. Hi, uh, Bliss. I think it's Norwegian crown or crown. Krona, absolutely. Yep, the Norwegian crown or krona, uh, as in the krona borealis, as in the krona, the krona family used to own that uh, wine farm, and that's why it's called krona. Um, now, blah, blah, blah. Mm, I spoke to Matthew Doms, the co-founder and co-owner of a biltong shop, and he's going to be selling, for Norwegian Krona, he's going to be selling his biltong in Norway. I would like uh, to know, you to know the name of a country that launched a crowdfunding campaign. It's had five, $251 billion of national debt, and this country said, you know what, we're going to pay our national debt with a crowdfunding campaign. Which yep. Eastern, which, which Asian country tried to do that? Asian country. Is it not Vietnam? I don't know. Honestly. It's not Vietnam, I'm afraid not. Uh, okay, last one for you. Is it Denny or Dennis? Hello, Dennis. Sorry, uh, what was the question again, Bruce? You don't sound like a Dennis. Um, Malaysia. Okay, no. Oh, no, I gave okay, the answer. Okay, oh, bad Bruce. <laughs> Denise, I'm sure. Oh, what an idiot. Um, Denise, I'll make you the Wizard of the Biz quiz by default because I'm a twit. Uh, not, it's got... It's, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you've got to be honest about these things. I said, name the country that launched a crowdfunding campaign to cover the cost of a $251 billion national debt. The answer, oh, look, there it is. Yes, Malaysia. All it did 
was raised $1.8 million in 24 hours. I don't know if they carried on with it. I don't know if it succeeded at all, but it doesn't seem to have been the world's most successful crowdfunding campaign. Denise, by default, you can whisper that you're the wizard, the biz quiz, by default. The Money Show is brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. I'm ridiculously excited about Kate Turkington on Monday. I really am. I miss Kate Turkington. I miss her energy. I miss her vibe. I miss her enthusiasm for life. And I'm really looking forward to catching up with her on Monday evening as we take her through the steps of Make Money Mondays. And then if you are a landlord, plotting to become a landlord, want to become a landlord, dream about being a landlord, we've got a great new book all about how to do it. We'll speak to the author on the next Monday show. Till then, bye-bye.